Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello and welcome to another Wessex LMCs podcast. My name is Laura Edwards. I'm a GP and one of the medical directors at Wessex LMCs. And today I'm joined by Adam Thompson and Mark Robinson. And they're going to talk to us a little bit more about the green agenda and estates, so buildings in primary care. So Adam Thompson is a director of primary care surveyors. Uh, They are surveyors specialising in primary care and he works throughout the Wessex region. And Mark Robinson is the director at Simpson Hilda Associates. He's an architect um, and specialises in the primary care sector again across the south of England. So welcome to you both. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Um, so I thought I'd sort of start off with a, with a general question to you both, really. What, what role do buildings play in the green agenda? Oh, OK. Oh, well, um, obviously a key part. There's a lot of carbon that's both inherent in the building and the fabric of the building. And a lot of carbon as to how the building is used. Um, and also carbon about how we get to and from the building. So there's quite a few issues there about how uh, buildings can reflect the carbon, the, the, the environment. Um, now I'm a valuer, surveyor, so I get very involved in the, the value of these things, whereas Mark is here as an architect and um, we get a lot more involved about the nitty gritty of the fabric of the building than I would. So Mark, would you like to comment on that? I think Adam's sum- summary is good. I think the key element with the amount of carbon that's actually involved in the building, there's a drive to reuse and refurbish and remodel. But there's also a lot of carbon associated with the operational side, but also with regard to the wider aspects within the uh, healthcare community, sort of like service, whereby, you know, it's drugs, production and all those sort of aspects. So there's a balance with regard to um, reducing the carbon and from the building side, we can achieve so much, but it's it's very much a holistic approach that's actually required. Absolutely. Um, And you'll be pleased to know that we've done some other podcasts um, around the green agenda and and looking at some of those other aspects as well. And this is great to cover this aspect as, as one of those. Adam, did you want to comment any further? Yeah, actually, I'll ask Mark a question. Mark, uh, we often come across the uh, lovely, lovely acronyms in, in healthcare. The other one is BRIAM. And yeah. perhaps you could cover a bit about what BRIAM is, because as I say, I know, I know we have to have certain standards on developing premises. Maybe a quick explanation of that, please. So BRIAM is one of the many methods that you can assess the sustainable benefits of a building. Um, as, as a particular tool, it looks at the wider role of the building, so it will also look at its position, its relationship to the community that it's serving, public transport and the like, as well as also the operation of the building um, and the, um, the actual construction of it. The key element with BRIAM is that it's, um, as a new build, it's an NHS requirement for new construction. You are looking at achieving BRIAM excellent. And as a result, there's quite a large uh, commitment uh, to that. And there's an added cost to that. But there are a number of other ways that in the current, with the current drive for sustainability and for going uh, net zero, that there are other methods and formats that people are assessing buildings. And this is an involving area where there's no clear front runner at the moment as to precisely how you assess a building for carbon being carbon zero, basically. 
Interesting. And so, of course, kind of my natural question from that really is you've got these wonderful things. They sound great. You said they link in with the NHS. Do they link in with primary care funding for NHS estates or is that NHS when we actually talk about secondary care? Adam? Um, yeah, well, I think it's quite interesting that the point you make there, Laura, because we have this lovely contradiction, as we sometimes find, uh, between government and, uh, and direction. So, as you say, the government are really heading towards the net zero carbon agenda. And yet for primary care real estate, we have to the, turn to the NHS premises directions, which were last published in 2013. So arguably sometime before net zero carbon has become as topical as it is now. But when, I, when we look at the premises directions, it does specifically exclude funding towards improvements that are solely to improve the environmental impact of the property. So things like specifically things like solar panels, we are told to completely disregard from, well, you can't apply for an improvement grant to put things like solar panels on. Conversely, if a practice were to put solar panels on, we wouldn't be allowed to improve the, the rental value of the property to reflect it. So it does seem to have a bit of a contradiction between where we're going with government policy and where we get um, possibly a legacy of the premises directions that could do with being refreshed. Okay, so we've got a bit of some contradictions there. And I guess this comes to two things, really. If you're a leaseholder, um, is there anything that you can do with your landlord around this? Is there anything that currently supports you in negotiations with a landlord to improve your building? Um, Mark? I think certainly our experience when dealing with um, the uh, landlord side of things um, that um, there are a number of the sort of like the, the larger de um, developers and, and uh, property managers who are genuinely looking to try and improve the overall sustainability of their how of their building stock, their estate, and certainly their you know from their perspective in terms of you know gaining future investment then the stock markets are driving it that way that they need to show their credentials. And so there are there there is opportunity there. Um, I mean, I think timing is everything um, as they come to the end of the lease. But I think that also opens up a wider scenario whereby the majority of the properties that we're looking at and talking about are actually existing properties where it is remodeling and adaptation. A lot of the aspects like BRIAM and some of the assessment methods are far more geared towards um, dealing with new properties and so that it's nice and clean and you can have the whole fabric that's, you know, performing well and, you know, you're putting in new systems. I think one of the biggest challenges is going to be how you look at a existing practice and look at the whole and how you can bring the bring the performance of that particular practice up to a higher level. And I think sometimes that's going to have to be staged because there's no point in bringing up um, one aspect of it, hypothetically, to bring in triple glazing if you've then got a wall construction that is then um, uh, performing poorly. And so I think with any of the choices and design decisions, there's there's got to be a balance and there's got to be a balanced view, both in terms of the short term, but also the long term as into how much carbon and the like is actually still within the fabric of that existing building. 
Okay, that's really interesting. So some of the larger land landlords might actually be interested because of incentives sort of more externally. Um, yeah. I think that's really helpful. And then you've got a separate conversation about new, the new shiny building that I think people um, think uh, would would be lovely to, to work in in the future. Um, and I think a lot of GPs are, are thinking more and more about estates because we've got increased workforce pressures. We've got the ARRS scheme um, with all of this wonderful workforce that should be coming to us, um, but, but they do actually expect to work somewhere and they want to work as part of our team. And working as part of our team, again, research has shown that um, co-locating people in the same place um, has been really, really important to the success of teams. And I think that's what we're learning and seeing, even even though the world has changed very much and we're remote working there is still quite significant power in being co-located and, be, and feeling physically part of a team in the same place and and in the same building so in terms of kind of new new shiny buildings um if if gps i mean again gps are totally kind of currently overwhelmed at the moment clinically so um having headspace to to think about something like this is quite tricky but if they did want to take this agenda forward and make it into reality who who can they actually talk to about this stuff because they're listening to our podcast and thinking oh yes sounds very interesting we need a new shiny building how do they even start that beyond saying to their partners you know what do you reckon a new shiny building where do they where do they take that interest I think it actually starts at, right at the development stage because, as Mark said about Briam, if you're going to build a brand new medical centre, it's got to be Briam excellent. I think it is Mark, yes. um, and then so that's one criteria. The other criteria is the energy performance certificate. So to get a lease in place, you have to be a minimum of a level C, I think it is, or it's going to become level C. So it's uh, yeah, there's a whole agenda about how new premises are being procured, developed. Uh, with with a green agenda in them so it's it's really how the whole of the construction industry i think is changing to embrace this and medical and the government are right in many ways they're, they're encouraging healthcare to be part of that hence the briam assessment absolutely i think my question actually was more around the practicalities adam of let's say i as a gp say i want a new building where do i go who do i talk to us <laughs> <laughs> there we go so but so, um but Laura, so the other point I was going to make, though, is the development of premises is very cyclical. And we had lots of new medical centres built 20 years ago, and they're coming up for lease renewal. Mm. And those landlords, in order to are using the opportunity to come in, refurbish existing buildings, repurpose existing buildings, make them good for another 20 years. And they are improving the environmental uh, performance of existing buildings at the lease yeah. stage. So lots of landlords are trying to invest to make sure that their property is still a good property and they're not going to get caught out by legislation changing about uh, their building being poor to making sure the property is good, as good as it can be for an existing building. So hopefully they'll get rent income performance and longevity of income. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Mark, did you want to add anything to that at all? I think it's a key point that um, doctors as a, a as as a sort of like an entity are good tenants in the basis that, you know, in terms of the rental side of things and that being guaranteed. So landlords are keen to to retain, um, you know, the GPs within the surgery and, and will will make efforts. And I think there is a you know, we're certainly seeing with the work that we're doing, there is a, you know, 
is not just the additional consulting spaces now. GPs are raising the question of, well, let's have, you know, can we convert our heating system to something that is more sustainable or can we improve that? And that goes along with other, you know, the changes with regard to dealing with the pandemic and bits and pieces. But, you know, it's, it's, it is becoming a more uh, a wider aspect that can be brought into those discussions. Excellent. Yeah, and Adam. Just the point you made earlier, Laura, about the teams of healthcare, and I suppose this comes down to, often when we talk about primary care, we often end up inadvertently coming around to the question of recruitment and succession. And actually, I think the, the quality of the property that the doctors, well, not just the doctors, that's the point, I suppose, isn't it? It's a clinical team that's ever broader. But if you want to recruit people, what's the environment that's going to help you recruit people in to be part of your team? So actually, I think part of the longevity, the succession, the viability of the practice does come down to the quality of the real estate you're going to be based in. Absolutely. And I think the other point, though, that I'd like to kind of hear from you both is, is around timeframes, um, because uh, I think when people envisage having a new building, um, they have a, a time frame in mind. Um, and, and, and just from your experience, if, if practices are thinking they're, they're going to get a new building, not refurbish and remodel, which is what a lot of our conversation has been, can we have some kind of realistic expectation management from you both of, in your experience, how long these ta- things take uh, from, from beautiful seeded idea to, um, to uh, the keys in the door moment? Um, Mark, do you want to have a go at that? I think that's the impossible question. <laughs> um, I mean, we've we've had projects that have um, have materialized or, or been brought to uh, completion relatively quickly. Um, but what's relatively the- quickly, Mark? <laughs> My six-year-old would say within the next five minutes. So. <laughs> Yes. um, uh, No, definitely not for your six year olds uh, timescales. I mean, it can. I would say probably you're talking at least a good year process for the sign off within this within the local CCG, because you've got to, you know, you go from the uh, uh, initial PID bid through OBC to final business case, by the time you get all the associated meetings within the CC geared up for that, that's aside to any design, that's almost a year's process. Would you say that's a fair comment, Adam? Yeah, I cut across this, Mark, if I may. I think, generally speaking, to get a medical centre, the quickest I've seen for being drawn in is about four years. Yeah. Uh, the longest I've seen, uh, Mark and I have got one that starts on site soon, and that's not on site yet, but 16 years so far. So I would say, really, on average, from very, very first conversations, kicking the idea around to moving in, 10 years. Yeah. I think that's really helpful just to kind of put that out there, um, because I think the the remodeling and refurbishment is most likely for most people. Um, They've got to think around the space they've got and then potentially extend. So that brings me on to Mm. extensions. Do extensions have any rules that go with them and do any of them fit with the green agenda? In terms of incentives, Mark. Uh, um, in terms of incentives, I suppose the, the, the key driver at the moment is bringing down uh, fuel costs and, and the associated, associated impacts. 
I think the key thing with this with extensions is through through careful looking at the existing to be able to develop and extend something without actually um, having to completely take out the existing operational aspect to the surgery. We have come across a couple of instances where, you know, they're, they're, they're just, you know where there is a sort of like the doctors have been quite keen to go, well, we'll just do this and we'll take that out and whatever. But when you throw in what it costs to provide your temporary accommodation whilst those works are taking uh, place, it becomes completely unviable. So one of the key things with any of the extension and remodeling works is to try and achieve a phased solution to allow you to for the practice to remain operational within within there. Um, there are very few scenarios where we we have moved a practice out wholesale to then be able to to completely refurbish and remodel. Mm. As a result, that does in some ways limit what you can and can't do. Um, but I think that's where you're still looking from a sustainability point of view. Uh, whilst you're improving the scenario, um, you're never going to, there's an acknowledgement that you're never going to achieve the same uh, performance criteria as a new build. No. Okay, that's really helpful. So I think it's been really helpful to hear from you both all around this um, and and a little bit of expectation management in terms of timeframes of us all having those wonderfully efficient uh, carbon, you know, low carbon buildings. Um, and I think it's also worth flagging, uh, which you did both allude to around that there are processes associated with this around the premises cost directions, which are not documents that uh, GPs read frequently. I, I have to say both of you, I'm sure, are highly familiar with them. Um, but we as GPs, not so much. Hypertension guidelines. Yeah. Yes, you know, cholesterol, yes, um, scarlet fever, you, you know, we're all over it, but uh, premises cost directions, not so much. Um, but those are those are the rule book around what the NHS will fund. And then the, the CCG has a number of processes that they have to go through to decide whether or not what you're asking for is justified and whether they will fund it or not. Um, and those things are, are not necessarily uh, easy to get through and they're not quick to get through, which is what Mark was talking about. Um, but Asim and Mark are both uh, examples of highly qualified individuals who are out there who can guide you through these conversations um, and there, there is an exciting future ahead I think we've got to um, yeah. the green agenda is really important in buildings and it's good to hear that it's kind of on there there are some tools out there that the NHS is looking at um, but it feels like from what I'm hearing from both of you not necessarily all the incentives are aligned yet we've got a slightly out of date uh, rule book that's being applied to primary care and um, we've got a direction from government but not necessarily really strong incentives um, that drive primary care towards this so um, we, we hope that those things will get updated uh, with future, future iterations but really useful conversation with both of you today so I thank you so much for your time um, and we hope that you will join us for another Wessex LMC podcast soon thank you very much thank you Adam thank you Mark bye-bye Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.